Now we are good to go. We are good to go. Are you guys ready? You guys ready? Cool. Today I'm going to be sharing a sermon with you, which I'll share the title with you in a brief moment. But before I share that with you, I wanted to read a particular scripture taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 17. And I'm going to read from verses 14 through to 22. The book of Matthew, chapter 17, from verse 14 through to 22. And as per usual, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. You guys ready? All right, cool. If you could just help me put the timer on, please. Thank you. Verse 14 goes as follows. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is, he is an, an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Verse 17. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Verse 18. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Verse 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, someone say unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move and uh, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Verse 21, for, for, however, this kind cannot go out except by prayer and fasting. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, as we go into the time of your word, Father, I pray, Lord, that we will just continue to be a, a church, a people, whether tuned in online or here present today, whether seated or even standing at the pulpit, Lord, that we pray in the mighty name of Jesus that we'll do the things in accordance to your word. We'll trust in you, O oh God, and we'll have faith the size of a mustard seed to move the mountains in our lives that have been a hindrance, a blockage, a problem, or a pain point to our lives, O oh God. Father, I pray that you will continue just to bless the listener, bless the viewer, bless those here present today, O oh God that won't only be heralds of your word but doers in Jesus name we pray amen amen and amen for today and next week by the grace of God I'll be sharing a series called fan the flame fan the flame and I've entitled part one of fan the flame fan the flame of your faith fan the flame of your faith fan the flame of your faith has anyone here ever been to a barbecue before all right, cool. Has anyone ever been in a sauna before? All right. Does anyone go with your big jacket and everything into the saunas? Anyone wear your big Eskimo jacket during your summer barbecues? Anyone? No. But what happens, the reason why I bring that up to you is that when we're going into those environments, we need to dress appropriately, isn't it? But has anyone here ever, when you've given your life to Christ, you're massively excited? Anybody here? Just me. Massively excited. I've been one of those people where when I first gave my life to Christ, I was massively excited. I was telling everybody about Jesus. I, it was so extreme to the point that there are times where I will see the bus. But my faith, I was so excited. I, I thought I had like superpowers. I'm like, that bus will not go until I catch it. I don't know if you've ever been there. And I'm, and I'm telling myself and I could see that the last person's got on, 
But I'm still a good, maybe like 20, 30 yards away. I'm like, that bus is not going to go until I catch it. And I'm like, I'm going to run for this bus and I'll, I'll get on it. And I'm like, yes. And the bus driver, like, why are you so excited? I'm like, don't worry, man. It's the Jesus in me. I'm excited. For some of us, have you guys ever been trying to get on, on the tube? But you can hear the doors and you, you really want to catch it. But you're scared that if you might try and run to get on the tube, you're like, you don't want to be like those people that try to do it. They power walk and the door closes and they just walk sideways as if they were never going to do it. Or are you the person that tries to get on, sticks your foot in and gets on by force by fire? Which one are you, the first one or the second one? Oh, second one, you're like me. I make sure I'm getting on. Even though everyone's looking awkward, I'm like, I'm going to get on. One time I got on with my ice white Air Force Ones. If you ever stick your foot in there, <laughs> even I got on, I was so happy. And I looked down at my trainer. <laughs> I just humbled myself. I realized that not every day, not every day, not every day. But I share that with you because when we first get saved, we're on fire. When we first get saved, we're like, we're like kids, new to us. But we go through seasons where sometimes the things we pray for don't come into our lives in the timing that we may expect. We have bereavements, we have losses, we lose jobs, we lose friends, we lose relationships. Sometimes we wrestle with our minds, we wrestle with our sanity, we wrestle with society, we wrestle with, but God, I remember when you used to do it for me, what's happening now in this season and it, it just doesn't seem to add up and everyone's like, come on, keep believing. Like, yeah, and then we go for the notion of going from church to sermon to sermon and tuning on online. And some of us don't even come to church at all. We're like, yeah, I, I go to the church in America. Like, don't worry, that pastor don't know you. But we do these things because we're struggling to navigate the season where our faith is dwindling. It's hard. It's challenging. It's difficult. And even though we, we want to kind of go back to that place, we try to go back to that childlike faith, but it's not there anymore. It's moved. It feels like God has moved and things seem difficult and challenging. But I want to remind you, Jesus said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. Oh, faithless and perverse generation. Like, really? And at times the extremities for some others is that, you know what, they just abandon the faith altogether and they go and find something in the world just to kind of sustain the feeling that they want, just to, just to reinvigorate that feeling of, I want to feel alive again. I want, I want to get that high again, that high I once got from God. I can't seem to find it with God, so I'm going to try and find it somewhere in the world. But I want to encourage us, let's find the flame. Let's find the flame. And I want us to look at, what, why do we talk about faith? What does it mean by faith? In, in, in Hebrew, faith is amuna. What does it mean? It means... It means to have a faith or belief, to hold on to something, to trust in something. Faith in Latin is, 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 is the root word fides. And one thing I love about that is that it's to trust in a thing or a person. People have faith in their insurance. Some people have faith in their money. Some people have faith in their wealth. Some people have faith in their looks. Oh, but my looks will get me into that job. Or my money will get me there. But we are meant to have faith in something far greater than that. But that very thing that we need to have faith in at times feels challenging when it doesn't seem to be working the way it used to work. Maybe it doesn't work. Maybe something's gone wrong. Or maybe God wants us to grow through what we're going through. Maybe God wants to use that moment or that season in challenging for us to get to another stage of growth. And I want to share with you a few ways of how we can fan the flame to the faith that we need to have in our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Point number one is that Everything is built on faith and trust. Everything is built on faith and trust. Some of the friendships that you have is built on faith and trust. People are like, oh, but how's it going to work? I'm like, it's very, very difficult to do business with somebody you don't trust and you don't like. 
It's very, very difficult to be open and transparent with with somebody you don't trust, you don't have faith in, who you don't like. It's built on faith and trust. And we're seeing a few things in Hebrew. Hebrew chapter 11, verse 6 goes as follows. It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. Who's him? God in this case. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Imagine being in a relationship where you clearly know your partner just doesn't trust you, doesn't believe in you. To some degree, even ourselves, we act out of turn because we're like, you don't trust me anyway, what's the point? You don't believe me anyway, what's the point? But we ask God, God, do these things for us. But when God says, but do you believe in me? We're like, no, nah, do that first and then I might believe. Like, really? Well, that faith is impossible to please him. But the reason why I said everything is built on faith and trust is that when we look through the verses in Hebrew from, from Hebrews 11, from verse 1 onwards, I'm going to pick through a few scriptures, we're seeing people that lived out their lives through faith. It says in verse 2, it says, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Verse 3, by faith we understood that the world was framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The things are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Verse 4, for by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had, a, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch pleased God and, and that's where we get that next verse that follows. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. Therefore, we must need to ask ourselves in order for us to fan the flame, rather than us being disappointed by God, are we choosing to have the right character and attitude? Say, God, I'm willing to please you regardless. What foundation are you holding on to? What foundation are you laying? If you jump down with me to verse 8, it goes as follows. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Oh, but I want to be like Abraham. Father Abraham. But he went out. He didn't know where he was going. But by faith. Many of us wrestle with this idea of faith when God says, go do this. Or go and do that. God, no. God, you know, show me the whole blueprint, then I'll do it. But by faith, he went out to a place he, he didn't even know where he was going. The forefathers of the faith, by faith. Over and over we're seeing these things. But if you even go down further in verse 9, it says, By faith he dwelt in a land of promise, as in the foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. In verse 10 it closes as follows. For he waited for the city which was the foundations, whose builder and the maker was who? God. God was the builder and the maker. But by faith, are you willing to step out into the unknown? Are you willing to trust in knowing that God and everything is built on the foundation of faith? Everything is built in the trust that you have in God. Everything is built in you knowing that you're putting your faith, your insurance and your assurance in the true and living King. Point number two. I'm a big believer if we're truly to help us fan the flame of our faith, we need to be freed from the prison 
of what I call the term purpose paralysis. We need to be free from the prison of what I call purpose paralysis. What do I mean by that? I mean that there are times where we know God has really called us to do something, whether it's to sing or to write or to perform or to act or to be um, in um, the legal field or to be in the judicial field or to, or to be in parliament. God has called us and at times there's a friction, there's like a glass ceiling where you can almost see what God has called you to get to, but you can't quite touch it. You can't quite get there. And the reason why I entitled that purpose paralysis is because I realised that there was a man who was paralysed. And he needed to get to Jesus, but he couldn't get to Jesus. But something significant happened. If you look at Mark chapter 2, I'm going to read, I'm going to pick up some verses from verses 1 through to 12. It goes as follows. It says, again, he entered Capernaum after some days. And, and as it was, and as, and as he heard, he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not near the door, and as he preached the word to them, I'll pause there for a moment. Jesus has come. Jesus is in town. He's in town. And everyone's coming. And how many of you guys have ever been there where you really want something, but someone gets there before you and you just feel like it's over for you? Anyone ever been there before? Right? Whether it be a job, a career, I don't know, a spouse, even a, a, a ticket to a concert. You're like, oh, it's gone. It's sold out. It's over. And we turn back. But the reason why I share this is that the scripture was quite clear. It says... There was no more room to receive them. It says, neither at the door. I started thinking of places when I've gone to an event and the queue's long. You can't even see the door. You're just, how are we going to get in? And at times, what we see makes us turn back. What we see makes us turn back. But something happens here. It goes as follows further down. It says, verse 3. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not... When they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof. And when they uncovered the roof, what does it say? It says that they broke through the roof and they let the paralyzed man down through the roof. I share this to say that at times, if you're in a season where you're like, you know, my faith is strong. Maybe your duty is to help carry somebody that faith is weak. At times where you're like, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm in a great season in my life. Maybe that's just a great opportunity to help you carry the person that their faith is dwindling. Oh, yeah, but there's no more space. They found a way. And I'm a big believer. You either find a way or you find an excuse, but you can't find both. Which one are you guys going to choose? They carried him through the roof. But something interesting happens. If you jump down with me further down through to verse 8, it says, But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about the things in your heart? What's happening here? There's doubters. There's doubters here. Why, why is Jesus doing this? Jesus just said that, you know, your sins are forgiven. He just, cho just cho told the paralyzed person, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. What? And all these people, are just, why is he doing that? Why is he, how can he forgive sin? Only God can forgive sin. But what happens after that? In verse 10, Verse 9, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? You see, what I think I love about this juxtaposition here is that Jesus first addressed the sin before he gave him a solution. Many of us are like, God, I want you to do this in my life. But maybe the area that is blocking the things from blossoming in our life might be an area of sin. Maybe. 
But Jesus wanted to deal with the sin first. So before he gave that person a solution. Verse 11. I say to you, rise up, take up your bed and go to your house. That's what Jesus says to the paralytic. Rise up, take up your bed and go to your house. It's important for us to first come to God in the state that we're in, that he can restore us, that we can go about our business. And ultimately, in going about our business, we are ultimately going about our father's business because he wants us to have a relationship with him. Many of us are keen to seek what's in God's hand. God, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. And God's like, but I want you to connect with my heart. I want you to have a true relationship with me. And in order to fan the flame, we need to be aware and ask ourselves, where is our relationship with God? Where is our relationship with him? Are we allowing the pains, the problems, or even being, having been in that state of purpose paralysis where nothing seems to be working? And if there's one thing I want to encourage is that when things don't seem to be working, don't stop worshipping. When things don't seem to be working, I can't pray. Don't stop worshipping. Yeah, but, uh, but worship, I can't even sing, then play it. Oh, but I can't even sleep, then meditate on it. Just play it in the background. Don't stop worshipping. Because God is always at work, even when you're worrying. But we must learn to trust in him. My next point is be free from the prison. Sorry, my next point is your unbelief may be blocking your breakthrough, your blessing. Your unbelief may be blocking your breakthrough or your blessing. In Mark chapter 6, verse 4 to 6, it goes as follows. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honour except in his own country, among his own relatives and in his own house. Previous scripture I just read to you, he heals him, now go back to your house. And this one, he's like, even amongst my own people, they don't even recognise me. They don't, not even in my own house. Verse 5. Now he could not do any mighty work there except, to lay, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. He couldn't do anything mighty. He couldn't do anything mighty. Why? He wasn't even honoured in his own house. But what does it say further down? It says, and he marvelled because of their what? Unbelief. Can you imagine? Ah! Really? I've come to... Do, you guys... You guys really don't believe? Yeah, but God, I want to be on fire again. All right, come and do this. Really, what? I don't really believe. You don't believe. You want me to do something in you and through you, but you don't even believe. You don't even have the faith the size of a mustard seed. Jesus said you can move a mountain where you have mustard seed size faith. But a mustard seed is like two millimeters. But the tree that it can bring and birth is over, what, 30 feet? Mustard seed type of faith. Something small when she birthed that. But the thing is that maybe we've planted that seed, but we've become restless and impatient. And because we've become restless and impatient, we forgot where we planted it and we moved on to somewhere else. And someone that believes, they get fast-tracked because they see something that's been birthed. Like, oh, my days, look at my blessing and my breakthrough. And maybe that was a seed that you sowed, but you didn't have enough patience to stay there to nurture it and water it. But we forget that God that we serve is a God that immediately something happens. Immediately something happens. Maybe that immediately is a seed that was sold by you or by somebody else. But you've now been blessed. But you've now forgot to see the blessing or the fruits of that because you stepped away. Your faith. Your faith. He wasn't able. He marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about to the villages in a circuit teaching. He wants to do something in your life but maybe your unbelief is blocking it. And I believe in order for us to get that unblockage, we need to fan the flame. How else can we fan the flame? We can fan the flame 
But another point I've raised here is that your purpose, despite your personal pain, problems or pleasures, is to proclaim his name. Your purpose in life, despite your personal pain, problems or pleasures, is to proclaim his name. What do I mean by that? There are many things that we want. There are many things we may desire. There are many things that we're looking for in this life. There's many things that, but God, you know, I really want this. But regardless whether we get them or not, we still have a duty to proclaim his name. We have a duty to proclaim his name. Look at James chapter 4 for me. Look at the book of James chapter 4 for me, please. In James chapter 4, verse 2, it goes on, it says, You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Verse 3. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Yeah, but God, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. I always say God answers us sometimes in four ways. No, slow, go, or grow. No, slow, go, or grow. And we need to try and discern what is he telling us in that season while we're asking. Because maybe we're asking amiss because I want this. Lord, I really desire this. I desire that. But we need to ask ourselves, the things that we desire, is that aligned with his purpose or is that purely just for our personal pleasures? What are we asking for? And we ask amiss because of those things. But please, I want us to remember that when we understand what happened to that paralytic, when he was brought down into the house, that God really can change his life and he can change ours. He changed his life because he had a helping hand. But also in the helping hand that he had, it was vital for you to accept the help that is offered to you. Yeah, but I'm going through this. Are you, someone said, oh, do you need help with that? Nah, nah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. But when we're willing to say, you know what, God, I, I need help. When we're willing to tap into the, the body of Christ in and around us, this is what I'm going through. Maybe that might be the beginning of the breakthrough that we're seeking. But purpose paralysis and being stuck and forgetting God's divine purpose for our life. We stop and we just focus on ourselves sometimes and we're like, you know, I don't really want to burden people with my problem. But maybe even you burdening your, your, your problem with such a person helps them grow in their faith because they now have something to pray about. They can now actually exercise what it means to be blessed to give rather than to receive. As I was reading through those many scriptures, something it's like the Holy Spirit dropped this quote in me. It says, We want those, we want those who know we want those who know him privately to proclaim him publicly so that those who hear him publicly can know him personally. He wants those who know him privately, you and I, to proclaim him publicly. So those who hear of him publicly can know him personally. The world is in need of Jesus. The world is truly in need of Jesus. Regardless of the next man's personality of what he's like, I found it interesting how every single fight this man has had, Tyson Fury, I give the glory to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And every time I wonder it, I'm like, this guy literally says, he doesn't just say God, he says Jesus Christ. But for many of us, it's difficult just to say the name Jesus because we're worried that we might lose that friend. But this man is willing to shout it from the rooftops in front of 91,000 people. Jesus Christ, the world is in need of Jesus. And I think it's a reminder, please, don't be scared to share your faith. Don't be scared to say the name Jesus. Because the moment you belittle the name Jesus, you're forgetting the very power that you have within you. 
The moment you belittle the, the name Jesus, you forget the very essence of the thing that gives you power from within. Don't be scared to say his name. Don't be scared to proclaim his name. And don't be scared to tell his name to yourself. Sometimes you might need to be in your house and just shout, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But why are you doing that? Your neighbors are making, oh, my neighbors are going to hear me. They're going to think I'm that crazy religious one. But maybe they might think you're the, maybe they might be curious enough to know that maybe he is the real saved one. Maybe he is the true divine one. Because to find the flame of our faith is to set Jesus alight in our lives. And that leads me on to my last two points. Is that let us be a people that we don't grieve God's spirit. Let us be a people that we don't grieve God's spirit. What do I mean by that? If you look through verse, if you look through, sorry, if you look through Mark chapter 9 again, and I want to jump down to verse 23, Mark chapter 9 through to verse 23, there's something that Jesus says here that was very interesting. It's the same story of the one earlier, but the one in Matthew and the one in Mark have a few things missing in there. Verse 23 says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe that all things are possible to him, who believes? Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, in tears, immediately. Though sometimes there's a response that in order to fan the flame of your faith, don't allow the circumstances or the situations to dominate the action that you might need to take immediately. But you need to do this, you know. All right, I'm going to do that. We hear a sermon in church. We take notes. Yeah, I'm going to do that. It's a good idea. But as soon as we walk through that door, we go back to our natural state of who we was before we came in. But what did he do? This guy brings his son. My son is going through this. He keeps having epileptic fix. Lord, like, what's going to happen? Like, every time he's throwing himself into the water, into the fire, I don't want to lose my son. What am I going to do? What did Jesus say? If you can believe that all things are possible to him, who believes? Immediately. He could have gone like, well, how dare you tell me that, Jesus? I've been having my son. Do you know how much I can't sleep at night? I'm worried. I, I, I'm, I'm threatened. So many things are happening. Jesus said, but immediately, what happens? Immediately, the father cries out and says with tears, it's meaningful, it's deep, it's raw, it's real. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. And then the spirit cried out, sorry. Yeah, then the spirit cried out and conversed with him greatly and he came out of him and he became as one that was dead. The guy's just been healed but he's become stale. That one was dead. And so many said, he's dead. He's dead. She's just done a miracle. Everyone's like, he's dead. He's, he's not moving. And the reason I bring that up because there may be times in your life where God has actually done a miracle, but things just go quiet. They look like it's flatlined. But the problem is, when the miracle is taking place, if you listen to the doubters, you may destroy the very thing that God has birthed in your life. He's dead. He's not moving. He's dead. He's dead. But Jesus just done a miracle. But what happens? What does it say? But Jesus, verse 27, Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. He took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. I want to use that and say that maybe we need to remember that regardless of what's happening, when things seem to be flatlined, make sure you're always holding on to Jesus' hand. 
Because as you're holding on to his hand, guess what? You're going to arise. When people are like, yeah, that person got to make it. Their life is over. That person, oh, they're, they're a write-off now. You're a write-off, but Jesus wants to make you righteous. As you continue to trust in him, as you continue to walk in him, as you continue to know him and make him known, he took his hand and he arose. And what does it say in verse 28 to verse 29? And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Why could we not cast it out? And so he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. I found it timely. I was like, wow, God, you're interesting because that's what we're going to be doing this coming week. And for some of us praying and fasting, yeah, okay, I'll do it because church said it. But maybe that's where your breakthrough is, but you might listen to But the last time I did pray and fasting, nothing happened. Unbelief. This kind is going to come out through prayer and fasting. And not only because we're doing it this week, maybe you might need to pray and fast in another time. Maybe those that are listening online, if you're hearing this in a few weeks later, you might need to say, you know, maybe I need to decide that I might need to do this by prayer and fasting. To really break down this flesh that I've got nothing else to rely on but my Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Because when you could do that, situations change. When you could do that, circumstances change. When you could do that, even if you might not get your breakthrough just yet, you can still always remember that you can be a blessing to someone while you're waiting. You could still always remember that you can be a blessing to someone else while you're waiting. We saw it with Joseph in the prison. He was still ministering. We've seen in people's lives that be a blessing. Don't stop being a blessing while you're waiting. Don't stop trust, but don't stop believing that God will do it for you because guess what we're good at as humans? We are sometimes very, very good at knowing that God will do it for somebody else, but we doubt that he'll do it for ourselves. We believe it for other people. We believe it for our kids. I've seen it with parents. What do you want to do in life? No, man, just do it for my kids. Just do it for my kids. Don't you dare belittle your God-given purpose by just saying it's for your kids, forgetting your own. Because you too are dwindling and you need to fan the flame of your own life. And you're taking your eyes off your own God-given purpose by saying you want to do it for your kids or do it for your friend or your family. You believe in it for everybody else. How dare you belittle the great gift that God has placed within you to have a seed the size of a mustard seed just for it to be planted, for things to change, for things to move. Because when you could do that, God can change everything that is happening in your life. What did Jesus say to Martha? What did Martha say to Jesus when her brother was dead in John chapter 11? What does he say? In, verse, in John 11, verse 38, it says, Then Jesus again, grown into himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone laid in front of it. And what did Jesus say? It says, take, take, take away the stone. But what does Martha do? The very woman that goes to complain, my, my brother's dead, he's dead. He's dead. What did she say? Martha, the sister of him, who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time, there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. How many men carried the paralytic? Four men. How long was Lazarus in the tomb for? Four days. You see, when we seem to be down and out, God can still get to work. And maybe at times, maybe your situation is the way it is because you can now say, if a miracle takes place, you can truly say you didn't do it. Only God did it. I'm sick and tired of this world saying self-made. How dare you? <laughs> what? Are self-made because they, they, they add up what God kind of done with what they done and then they give us the title self-made. 
the stench. Remove the stone. I truly believe that the tombstone in your life, that you've already put a date, that this is dead in my life. This relationship is dead. This family is dead. This career is dead. My, my faith is dead. This is dead. Jesus is about to say, move the stone. But God, it's been dead for so long. Move the stone. And maybe you are the stone. Maybe you need to get out of the way so that God can now get to work. Because when God gets to work, he brings dead things alive. He brings dead things alive. And I'll leave you with my final point. Find the flame of your gift and calling in Christ. Find the flame of your gift and calling in Christ. God has called every, each and every single one of you to do something in this life. It might not look as grand towards the human eye, but in God's eyes, he will still say, well done and good and faithful servant. Because that's what he called you to do. The great thing you need to do is not what the world sees as great, but what God has seen as obedience in your life. Well done, good and faithful servant. But I want to read from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. And it goes as follows. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that out to stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting of my hands. I'll stop there because that's the New King James Version, but I want to read for you the NIV version. The NIV version goes like this. For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. There's a gift of God that is in who? It's in who? Church, talk to me. It's in who? No, church, please talk to me. It's in who? No, more of us. Church, please speak to me. It's in who? The reason why I kept saying, church, please speak to me, is that sometimes we say it without saying it, and therefore we don't believe it. And to begin the belief, you must say it even when you don't believe it. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Immediately. He said it immediately before doubt begins to creep into his mind. And the funny thing about this particular scripture is that many of us usually read the next verse of that scripture. For God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but power, love and sound mind. Many of us know that scripture. We read it in isolation. What's the spirit of fear? But I'm not good enough. The spirit of fear, but we forget that the three things, power, love, and sound mind. Because when your mind is sound, you can fan the flame again. I want to tell you this. I'll never forget when we went on our church retreat. Not today, not today, bro. I'll never forget when we went on our church retreat. And in the retreat, we went to have a bonfire. For those that were there, who was there? Who remembers that bonfire? And in that bonfire, I can't remember the guy's name. But he did something very, very interesting. And one of the things that he did is that we were trying to start this fire and the fire wasn't starting. And he got logs and all these sticks and he put it together and they made some pyramid. Don't worry, it wasn't something with some Illuminati stuff. Don't worry, some like just wood and all this stuff. And he piled it together and he was there. And I'm trying to start and I'm there and I'm teasing him. I'm teasing him. I'm the guy with the unbelief. Bro, fire, fire's not started. Don't worry, get started. And, and he's just there trying to start the fire. And I'm really, really teasing Like, bro, come on, mate. Like, fire's not started. What are we doing? We're all here. Bonfire's not started. And he did something interesting. He put the fire, he got down and he lied down on, on all the muddy, all the muddy grass. And as he lied down, he, he got there and he, he just tried to push the fire into the middle. And I'm like, he's lying there on the front. And I'm there still teasing him. Fire's not starting, mate. Listen, let's all go home. Everyone ready to go home? Let's go back to our dorms. It's all over. And then he starts blowing. <sighs> While he's on the floor, he's blowing. <sighs> Boom. It started. 
And God humbled me there and reminded me that maybe our heart's posture needs to be in a position of reverence and humility unto God. That we just shout out the name Jesus on our knees or whatever situation or whatever we're crying out for, Jesus, and just blow in from that position. That humble position where you're so low down. Because one thing I've learned about God is that God despises the power, but he raises up the humble. And we need to find a humble position for us to position ourselves in as we fan the flame. Because sometimes the flame that we're looking for, we're like, God, you know what? That flame that I had within me is dead. I want a new one. Mm -mm. There's no new one. There's still ember flames in there. Now, I want a new one. God, I want to start again. Mm -mm. There's no new one. The one I gave you is sufficient. Mm -mm. Stick, stick there. And that's one of the problems we have. We're looking for the new. We're looking for the new, new. Mm -mm. <laughs> His grace is sufficient. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow is brand new every day. And those ember flames in your life, those little sparks that just to remind you of what God has done in your life to fan the flame. Blow into those ember flames, those little flames. They're just, they're glowing. They're dwindling, but they're glowing. Just blow into it. Just blow into it. Blow into it a little bit more. Blow into it a little bit more. Press into it a little bit more. Press into God a little bit more. Because when you could do that, you might be set alight. Find the flame. Find the flame into your faith. That mustard seed that you think is not birthing, it's not moving. God, I've been there for a while. I've watered, I've done everything. Nothing's changing. Yeah, just stay a little bit longer. And if you're worried and you're struggling to do it alone, guess what? Call people to do it with you. Because those people, when they were bringing that paralytic, there's no way they could have turned back. But they had a faith that, nah, by force, by fire, we're going to get him in there. You know what? Take off the roof. Let's get him in there. And when you're around people that can fan the flame for you, your situation can change. But don't do it in isolation. Because the enemy really loves you to try and do it alone. Because when you're alone, He's got you alone. He's just trying to make things more cold and callous that the small ember flames that are flickering to die out. But I believe if you're here today, if you're listening here today, God can really fan that flame in your life to set you alight again and you feel more brand new than the old you. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that everybody here today, oh God, that is wrestling... <laughs> that you will just continue to move in their lives, oh God, in their hearts and in their minds. And if you're here today, I just want to ask, I just want to ask, I want you to do something significant. If you're here and you know that somewhere in your life you're wrestling with your faith or your faith is just dwindled, it's really, really dwindled. And so I say, like, you know, I'm really going, but you come to church and everything just seems to be okay and everyone seems, everything, and things are actually decent, but there's some areas of your life you're like, my faith is really dwindling here. You know, you need to cry and say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I want you to do something significant while everyone's headed and everyone's bowed. I want you just to stand. I'm not going to call you out, I just want you to stand. And standing is to say, God, I'm just standing to acknowledge that this area of my life, I want to do something about it. I want to stand, I want to pray for you. While you're standing, I just want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Just stand. Just stand. If you know there's one area or two in your life, you're like, God, this area has been stuck. My faith is really, really dwindled. Just stand so I can pray for you. As your hands are to heaven, let me just pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that your saints that are standing here today, oh God, Lord, that you will do a miraculous work in them because we serve a God of a suddenly. We serve a God of a suddenly that even their friends and families may not know what they're going through. 
Lord God, I pray that you'll fan the flame. And as they stood in faith, immediately, even though some things in their minds are like, nah, don't stand. It's embarrassing. Don't stand. People can hear your feet. Don't stand. People are watching. Don't stand. Even though they, they may be battling the mind, Lord, break that pillar. Remove that stone, oh God. Fan the flame in them, oh God. Set them alight, oh God. As they stand, oh God. As they stand, oh God. <laughs> Transform them from the inside out. Set a flame in them, O oh God, where their faith may have been dwindling, where they've been questioning, where they've been doubting, O oh God. Because they've chosen to stand, the enemy has fought. Because they've chosen to stand, the enemy must flee. Because they've chosen to stand, they're willing to acknowledge they serve the God of the true eternity. Lord God, thank you for these saints. Thank you for these saints, O oh God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Take your seat, saints. But as everyone's head is still bowed and everyone's eyes are still closed, there's something significant here. And this significant thing is to be aware that God, it's one thing to say, you know, I need to find the flame of my faith. But the question I need to ask is, have you put your eternal faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Because if you haven't, no matter what you obtain on this side of, of life, eternity still awaits. But Jesus is standing at the door and knocking on the doors of your heart and saying, let me in. But God, I'm not sure if I let you in what you might do. It's time to let him in. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you just to raise your hand that I could pray with you. So everyone's head is bowed, everyone's eyes closed. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just raise your hand. And if anyone online, if that's you, just please raise your hand. I acknowledge by raising your hand. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to tell you to stand, but I will ask you to raise your hand. And if everybody here today, whether you raise your hand or not, just say this with me, Heavenly Father. I come today confessing my sins and from this day I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord that saved me today into eternity and from this day O oh Lord by your strength and by your power keep me by your saving grace in Jesus name we have prayed amen amen and amen